1: History in five songs with host Martin Popoff, a production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin.
0: Hello once again. Welcome back to another episode of History and 5 Songs with Martin Popop, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcasts. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this always vast and expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. This is episode 224. I'm calling this sequencing. I thought, oh, let's try to get some more words in there. Good, bad, ugly, you know. Uh, but no, this basically covers it all. We're going to be talking about sequencing here. Uh, hopefully this won't go too long. It's uh, it's a little chaotic. I'm kind of all over the place on this one. Um, but I've got a method uh, to talk about this that uh, that isolates some of the moving parts that goes on with this whole sequencing thing. So this is an idea um, suggested by Jason Pollock, who wrote on our Facebook page. Um, I promise I will not bombard this group with suggestions. I'll refrain from making any others for a while, but for the heck of it, I'll throw this one out. there: albums that suffer from poor sequencing. So that's a little more specific and general that, I'm, that we're going to talk about here. But as he goes on, so records where the batch of songs themselves are good, but the track order kind of diminishes the potential impact. Sequencing can be very important when putting together an album. I've had this thought many times. I wouldn't put those songs back to back like that. So we're actually not going to address some of uh, what is in there because... because... Because, like I say, I'm isolating the parts here. You'll see the method to my madness in a second. But he says, for instance, Night Ranger, a truly great rock band, released their comeback album in 1997 and opened up with a ballad. Terrible choice. Uh, We are going to kind of uh, look at that. To give you another example, Jafria's album Silk and Steel was kind of a bizarre experiment in making one side all ballads, other side all rockers. We'll kind of get to a bit of that as well. Uh, So albums that suffered from poor sequencing, I Shall Retreat to My Corner. Later on, he said, when I engaged with them a little bit, whenever there are two songs back to back in the same groove and key, it drives me crazy. The first and last songs in the album are obviously in Important, but I feel the second song is equally important and trying to mix up lyrical matter chord structures okay this is all good stuff Jason but we're not going to uh, be looking at the intra intra uh, between these we're basically going to be looking at um, what i've done here is um i'm i'm isolating this to okay so our examples are going to be big bands we all know so we can all sort of uh, understand what's going on i'm also isolating it to vinyl at this point uh, because i got so much to talk about um i almost don't want to get into cds but maybe that could be a whole separate episode i don't know um but as you've touched upon here, uh, I'm going to take a look at this uh, in, uh, in five parts, because this is called History in Five Songs. Uh, so what we're going to look at is um, the area of uh, uh, side one, track one, uh, the second song, side one, the end of the side, side two, the first song, and, and the end of the entire album. So that's how we're going to go into this. Um, but yeah just a couple of things i wanted to touch on well let's let's finish off what jason says here uh yeah the more i thought about it uh the more maybe it's not a good idea you'd have to be talking about okay that's that's getting into uh the stuff about um needing the uh needing all us to understand uh, what these examples are so i've i've hopefully done that pretty good uh, uh and to a point it is subjective thing in a way but isn't all of this kind of subjective um that touches upon a point that um you know, okay, so we're not going to be talking about good sequencing in terms of entire albums because those albums come out, they're thought about, they are, you know, somebody did uh, take a look at the sequencing and this is the sequencing, so we know. So it's kind of a weird philosophical thing that um, this is, we're looking at hypotheticals that don't don't um, happen or actually in a way we're looking at examples that we are agreeing or disagreeing with on, on a individual basis. Uh, but I guess my point is, well, here's here's sort of more about the point, the number of permutations. So I, I kind of looked this up on the net. Um, if you have 10 songs, there's something like three million six hundred twenty-eight thousand eight hundred permutations of ways to sequence. So this is again why it's all very subjective. If there's nine, it's much less. It's about a tenth, three hundred sixty-two thousand eight hundred eighty thousand. I don't know if these numbers are exactly right. It's hard to kind of look at this, look this up. Eight, uh, it exponentially goes down again to about forty thousand kind of things. So. Whether those numbers are, are right or not, there's a lot of permutations to the way to sequence something. So, so it kind of gets sort of uh, stupid to sort of try to, um, you know, to pick a sequencing of all the tracks sort of thing. Suffice to say, in most cases, they do a really good job. Um, and, then, and then inside of each album, there's one or two things you might uh, disagree with. Um, you know, and I looked at Reddit um, a little bit as well. Uh, there are some good sequencing discussions there. And one thing that was brought up a few times was that uh, in the vinyl days, as you got closer to the middle of the album, uh, the grooves are going to be closer together and they're turning around at more of an angle. So you didn't want a bunch of your loud stuff there uh, to, to stop the needle skipping out of the groove. So that's why um, you will find, apparently for technological reasons, a lot of your lighter songs towards the end of side one or the end of side two. Uh, so that's where you can put in that sort of stuff. And I just wanted to make another point about vinyl versus CD. Sequencing matters even more i think uh, in an abstract way when you can actually see it uh when you can actually look at the vinyl and tell you know what's dark what's light what's heavy whatever and you can see the lengths of the songs so i think it's it's almost more important even uh, because there is a visual aspect to vinyl Um, but people talked about on reddit as well they talked about um different keys um let's see what what can we pick out here before cds and cassette tapes took over the world yeah albums had to fit the inherent limitations of vinyl record due to physical limitations record will lose information as it moves through the grooves towards the center meaning softer songs would often be placed at the end of a side uh that's a lot of crowd-pleasing ballads from the 80s were also um always the last song on side a kind of thing uh let's see some material works uh, in the context of an album not filler but sleepers deep cuts or connective tissue i think this kind of material is really important to the album experience i think ideally you'd kick off an album with two or three tracks that encompass what you're about are easily digestible and act as a statement see here's another thing um As we get into side one uh, first track, people have sort of said things like sets the mood of the album. Well, that's not really true. I mean, often it's the fast rocker, right? So it's not exactly the mood of the album. It's the heaviest thing on the album. So it's not even really true uh, in that respect. So, um, okay, so I won't go uh, over uh, a bunch more of these notes here. Let's get into it and let's look at my method. So again, to isolate uh, the moving parts, I've got five positions on a vinyl LP to match with our five songs. Song's idea. Um, the first category is side one track one. And every one that I'm gonna pick here, just to be a little naughty, is going to be a bad example uh of, of what we're talking about here. Um so uh so yeah, take a listen to our first track here. This is Van Halen with You're No Good. Okay, so the idea is Van Halen 2 opens with this. It's almost like they're ambling or stumbling into the room with a hangover and they do this cover of this kind of dopey uh, song you know, made famous by Linda Ronstadt. Weird, weird way to start an album. It's always one I think of all the time when I think of uh, sequencing uh, kind of mistakes, side one track ones. Uh, Because, okay, so it's usually, uh, what are some characteristics of this? Sometimes you would front load. You want maybe your best song at the very beginning or soon on an so, this is the idea of front loading of CDs in the 90s. Um, you would maybe want uh, a loud, heavy, fast one to get the party started, kind of thing. Uh, so, you know, it's a little bit like the story of a concert, right? So, some other bad examples. Um, and then I've kind of, when I started this process, um, I, I tried to keep the band sort of in sync and then it sort of fo- started falling apart because it took me a really long time to do this. This is probably one of the episodes that took me the longest to do. Um, Okay, so other bad examples of sequencing a song at side one, track one. Agree with me if you like or disagree, but Van Halen, Diver Down, starts with Where Have All the Good Times Gone, which is kind of not all that exciting, and it's a cover again, and it's just not not really showy or flashy. Uh, Van Halen, A Different Kind of Truth. Everybody complained about Tattoo being the first song on there because a lot of people think it's their least favorite song on it, and it's kind of relaxed. Um, David Lee Roth, Yankee Rose, to kick off Eat em and Smile, and, D- and uh, Knuckle Bones to kick off uh, Skyscraper. Uh, good examples of sequencing a song here sticking with van halen we got running with the devil now why is this a good one um it's got that reverse uh, that's that car siren thing and then the bass so it's got a dramatic opening that's another thing you might want to do um with a with a track one is have some super interesting sounds to grab your attention but I think it's kind of brave doing a song that's a little slow like this. So it's like, hmm, who is this band? They're they're kind of breaking a lot of rules here. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, women and Children first starts with and, and the Cradle Will Rock, which I think is the most professional, well-put-together song uh, on that album. So that's a good one, and it was a single. Uh, Fair Warning starts with Mean Street, which is considered the greatest van halen song um and van halen 1984 starts with 1984 right so so there's the idea of starting an album with um you know a fanfare um uh, a bunch of instrumental pomp and pageantry sort of thing and then of course goes into jump which is also a great way to open an, an album with that you know iconic uh, synth line um, keeping it in that world. Sammy Hager, I can't drive 55. Great way to start, uh, start that album off. Get the party started, right? Uh, honorable mention, bad openers, uh, you know, Iron Maiden, Number of the Beast, Invaders, everybody complains about that one. Just not being a great song. Didn't play it live. Uh, weird, weird opener of an entire album. Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, Moonchild. I don't think volume four opens that great with wheels of confusion, the straightener. I don't think Judas Priest, rock Starts that great with the sort of galump thing, uh, one for the road. Um, I don't think Rainbow Down to Earth, which I love, starts all that great with All Night Long, kind of like a flouncing around, thrashing around sort of song. Uh, ACDC Rising Power is a very slow opener for... uh for a flick of the switch and for those about to rock we salute you it sounds just too epic and large it should be later and I don't know it's kind of a weird low energy song to start people always complain about thin Lizzy uh, fighting starting with Rosalie uh, bad reputation starting with soldier fortune I don't think that's that great uh, ZZ Top Tejas starting with it's only love is a little low energy honorable good openers um, there's many 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 so that's kind of pointless but let's just go through them quickly uh killers iron maiden starts with ides of march so pomp and pageantry uh where eagles dare introduces us to Nico mcrain with that drum fill and and a very you know triumphant sorting sounding metal song uh heaven and hell black sabbath starts with neon Knights," um just a great anthemic up tempo song so up tempo is a big theme in hard rock of course uh they do war pigs uh never say die starts with never say die high energy backstreet kids technical xc high energy hole in the sky big heavy one for sabotage judas priest turbo lover um so here you have an air sats title track uh, very dramatic kind of opening to the song uh gets going in a cool way picks up so it's just a just a well put together classy song to start off an album and that again uh speaks to your front loading uh you know the whole idea of uh you want your best foot first because you never know how long people are going to stick around with an album um so that's kind of good to to get that started um all right there you go there's uh there's side one track one let's take a short break we'll be right back
1: hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of raycon earbuds around the house and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price and yes she loves them now if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of raycons
0: All right, back again. History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, episode 224, Sequencing. Uh, Take a listen to this and we shall discuss. This is Judas Priest again with Don't Go. Okay, so our category here is the second track on an album. Now, what is it all about the second track? So the second track is kind of a place where they often will put a hit. They'll often put a single. It is soon. It's an important spot. Um, it's kind of like we're into the album now. We want to show you something different from the first one. So that's a big thing about sequencing, period, is that is that you want this to to uh, flow like a concert, have changes, ebbs and flows, go up, go down, all that sort of thing. So you definitely don't want to have the same sort of thing going on as the opening track, and that doesn't here. But uh, to be naughty again, I think this is a bad example. Don't Go is a pretty low-energy track. They floated it as a single. What It didn't do anything as a single. Single. it's just not that um dynamic um there's barely any beat to the thing um so yeah it's a weird weird song to put in the second position this is your follow-up album the british steel you know you really gotta you know you, you you gotta lash out and uh and show that you're gonna do an even bigger album and of course we know this wasn't that that big an album after british steel um some other bad examples uh, Iron Maiden, Number of the Beast, Children of the Damned. Uh, in the Facebook page, people complained about that because it was a little low energy to have this dark dirty, sort of balladic thing, ballad uh, happening, second track on the album, first album with Bruce Dickinson. Uh, Peace of Mind, Revelations, does kind of the same thing. Uh, Black Sabbath, Technical Ecstasy with You Won't Change Me kind of does the same thing. Black Sabbath, Seventh Star, No Stranger to Love kind of does the same thing. So yeah the second position you usually want something pretty energetic there um and it's not really time to go into anything that's going to be a little ponderous Uh, also bad i think led zeppelin babe i'm going to leave you you know right at the beginning is a little mellow for a second track on your very first album uh and even friends uh i love friends to death it's one of my favorite zeppelin songs but on led zeppelin three to have that show up as the second track very weird um then Lizzie fighting for those about to live again a little subdued. Uh, good examples of, of uh, putting a song second. So uh, Sad Wings of Destiny kicks off with Victim of Changes. Big epic. Kind of weird. Uh, it's got some pros and cons of being a first track but The Ripper uh, with that whole intro going on. It's a short song. It's a, it, it really gets to the point. It really shows that okay if you didn't think there was enough energy with Victim of Changes we're definitely going to give it to you with The Ripper. Uh, Screaming for Vengeance uh, technically the second track is a Electric Eyes. So, technically, the second track is the very best song on the album. It's the masterpiece, the classic. Uh, so that's cool. And that album opens with the fanfare. So that's a great second track. Uh, Judas Priest, Rockerolla opens with the song uh well it, the second song is the title track rockarola it's the most commercial sounding song so that's good iron maiden killers again is exactly the same as electric eye you get this amazing song with this here you get this great bass line and drum opening which is really cool um you know so after a fanfare and uh sticking with maiden power slave two minutes to midnight probably the most accessible rock and rolly song hit you right between the eyes different from aces high um so yeah just a just a kind of cool change up uh in what's going on there all right item number three position number three side one last track of the album take a listen to this this is rush with limelight so why do i think this is a bad example because i really think that this song sounds like it could have maybe should have closed the entire album with that big dramatic closing section there the jamming thing it's so emotional it just seems like um side one last track is not good enough for it um so that's why i didn't like it here um i i just think it's just so uh, impactful and such an important song um for that reason it it could have gone at the end but but it it also could have gone in other positions because it's also very commercial and melodic as well so it just seems like a weird place for it um I always consider this position a little bit of a spooky, dark spot, place for kind of a badass spot, end of side one. It's like the end, but not the real end kind of thing. Um, So yeah, kind of a weird one. A couple other bad examples I didn't like is uh, I don't like Bright Light Fright at the end of uh, side one of Aerosmith Draw the Line. Uh, It's just a weird thing to put this heavy, punky song at the end of the side like that. Uh, And it goes against our vinyl things that we talked about earlier. Um, Judas Priest Stained stained Cloud, Class, invader um invaders not the biggest most known judas priest song but i put it here because um i really feel like this would have been a great place for beyond the realms of death and it's such a badass song that i don't think i wanted at the end of the entire album because it stands out too differently i think it would have been perfect at the end of side one um rush rush uh here again uh it feels too final uh, to be at the end of side one rather than side two. It feels like the leave the concert, the chill out song. Um, and uh, and it just feels like a goodbye kind of thing, right? Um, whereas you've got Working Man, which kind of works uh, as well. But maybe those two switched would have been kind of better, uh, I think. Um, Judas Priest, Hellbent for Leather. This is interesting how you got Take on the World and United. So you've got the big national anthems, uh, of these two albums, uh, the big, uh, the big, you know, metal, let's get together, goodbye, whatever, um, but it just feels like, uh, the national anthem is something you say at the end of an uh, event, and I think, um, or sing at the end of the event, and I think take on the world and United uh, feel better at the end of the entire album, which Judas Priest does later on when they do these kinds of songs, um, rather than at the end of side one. Um, also, I don't I don't like Gates of Babylon um, here either, although. Uh, it's kind of going a little against what I was saying. It is a badass position for an epic to be the end of side one, but it's almost such an important song. It's the it's the masterpiece of the album. It's their stairway to heaven. I almost think it it should have been beginning of side two or end of the entire album i don't think um stairway to heaven for the same reason is weird at the end of side one um that should have been i think the end of side two and the crunch for a totally different reason it's too flippant to be in this position it should be uh in the middle somewhere good examples of sequencing a song um at the um at the uh, side one last track position, Scorpion's Love Drive with Coast to Coast. I think this is a perfectly good place to put an instrumental. And I think it's a perfectly good place to put a ballad. So Lady Starlight by them as well. Uh, Rush Fly By Night uh, ends with By Tour and the Snow Dog here. I think that's a good position for that one. Uh, It's epic enough, um, but it doesn't need to close the album. Um, Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin ends with Dazed and Confused at the end of side one. That's pretty good. ACDC Power Age. I always like Riff Raff in this position um, because it's got a big jam to it. So it's it's rocking. Uh, it's a jam. ACDC is kind of a funny one with these ones. Thin Lizzy, Thunder and Lightning, uh, The Holy War, I think fits pretty well here. And it could have been at the end of Side 2 as well um, because it's pretty imposing, right? Um, but again, the badass position, the semi-epic position, uh, I think this is it. Uh, okay, let's move on to number four. Take a listen to this. This is Aerosmith with Kings and Queens. <laughs> Okay, so we're at side 2 track 1. I've never liked this song in this position on this album. Something about it, something about it just rubs me the wrong way, period. I know I've talked about it before how th- this is not the type of song this band generally does and it's not very believable for them, even though it's a cool song and everybody likes it. Um but uh given what it is, uh you know, a big ponderous ballad, side 1 uh on an Aerosmith album even though it's side 2 doesn't seem to make sense for me. Um, so, uh, but you know, they're putting it there because they feel it's an important song. Um, but you know, I don't know. It just it just doesn't go with Aerosmith that well. So, a, a couple other ones that I feel are bad is getting "Kill the King" uh, as side two, track one. I think that's such an amazing, amazing Rainbow song that it should have replaced the slightly weaker "Long Live Rock and Roll." Uh, so, so "Kill the King" should have been side one, track one, instead of side two. Um, "Rainbow Down to Earth" begins with the head east cover or Russ Ballard cover story, um, since you've been gone. Um, I feel that's just way too lightweight to to start a side of a rainbow album. Van Halen Jamie's Crying. I never thought that song was that impressive enough to be uh, a side a side opener. They should have put maybe one of the more heavy metal songs there. Um, yeah, they they buried the super heavy, heavy metal songs kind of all over the place, right? Um so they didn't do that on this album, which is kind of, kind of weird. But yeah, I, I think it's just a little bit too uh, casual a song to put uh, as a side opener. And then at the other end, Loss of Control, uh, Van Halen, they opened uh, a, side, a side two of This Is Women and Children first with that, and I think it's just too chaotic and weird and casual and not put together. It just sounds... It, it, this is a flagship position and it shouldn't have a song like that. Um, some some other bad examples, I think, are Johnny the Fox with Johnny the Fox meets Jimmy the Weed. Um, um, just too funky for a side opener good examples of sequencing a song here i think screaming for vengeance on screaming for vengeance works good here stargazer you know rainbow rising just seems perfect and you know mathematical and geometrical um so it seems like a good place to put that you got the two eight minute songs together uh carousel Ambra" uh is big and epic enough on in through the outdoor i think it fits here unchained van halen so you know that album both sides open with two of the greatest van halen songs of all time so that's fine and the boys are back in town thin lizzie uh, i don't know i'm a little ambivalent about that one um you know well i, I think it's pretty cool i mean jailbreak is i think even a better uh, album opener for for those guys um on the jailbreak album okay so now we are up to our uh last position here uh let's see have we done all these side two track one yeah i guess we've done them all so uh take a listen to this this is led zeppelin with the ocean Okay, so we are up into side two. Uh, last track. So, so closing track of an album. I don't like the ocean here. It's too short. It's too uh, it's too flippant. It's too fun. Uh, it just doesn't feel like this is a big, serious, cool band. I don't think it should be the last track on the album. This is where you put your biggest epic. It could be a mellow song. It could be as you know something with a bunch of movements to it. It could be a long song. Um, some other ones that I don't like here. I never liked Devil's Child off of um screaming for vengeance in this position. This is a happy party hair metal song. It's just a weird song to put as the last song on an album. Uh, Call of Cthulhu, Metallica. So here we've got, I believe, an instrumental belongs uh, maybe uh, as the last song on side one, but not the last song on side two. It sounds like your singer had to, like, leave early and uh, and go home. Uh, so it sounds like a like a leftover, like you ran out of ideas, and at the end of this album, you've got an instrumental. Um Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, same kind of thing. Uh, It's even worse. It's Still I'm Sad. It's a Yardbirds cover of an instrumental at the end. And Rainbow Down to Earth, Lost in Hollywood. You know I think it's the greatest Rainbow song of all time. To have it buried way at the end of the album and be this really cool, disciplined, heavy song uh, just doesn't make sense to me. Um, Also bad, I think uh, having uh, Led Zeppelin 3 end with Hats Off to Roy Harper. Everybody complains about that song, but it sounds like filler. And when you put filler as the last song in your album... It really gives that impression that you ran out of ideas in real time kind of thing, right? Um, Sick Again. To have Sick Again end this monumental physical graffiti seems like a little bit of a wasted opportunity as well. It's just a good rock and song. Although it's got a good jam, right? Anything with a good jam, um, you know, feels like you're jamming out at the end. It's the end of a concert, so it kind of makes sense for that reason. Um, Also Bad, I think... um, Van Halen, One Foot Out the Door, so having this synth-based synth, synth based song as your last one in a simple rhyme is kind of just fillerish and not great for a last song. Uh, Thin Lizzy, Fighting, Ballad of a Hard Man, not crazy about that as a closer, too heavy. Boogie Woogie Dance, too heavy again, um, you know, short rockin' songs. ZZ Top, Tush, believe it or not, is the last song on, on Fandango. It's kind of weird, Party on the Patio for those guys. Bad Girl, Delirious, Double Back, so they got a lot of songs that are just standard party rockin'. ZZ Top songs eh last song on an album doesn't make sense to me um Good examples of a song as the last song on an album. I'm going to crawl Led Zeppelin in through the outdoor. I think it's cool that they close out this album. They didn't know it would be their last album, but it's cool that they close out with a chill out track, a mellow send you off into the night, you know, uh, at the end of the concert. uh, So you don't, you know, uh, riot and wreck the place uh, with this, with this kind of slow blues, kind of cool. Same thing with ACDC, Highway to Hell with Night Prowler. Um, Lynyrd Skynyrd, Freebird. I mean, there's a perfect example of, it's a ballad, it's long, it's a jam, it's a super important song. Yeah, last song on an album. Van Halen, Happy Trails. The idea of having a true closing goodbye. Um, you know, a short little comedy track. Send you off on a happy note, smile on your face, but it's literally a goodbye song. Um, Thin Lizzy, Dear Lord, I think works. Um, on Bad Reputation, It's Getting Dangerous on Renegade works. Heart Attack, Um Heart Attack is a poignant one because we've got that whole episode about last songs ever. But in terms of music, I I think the music's a little too heavy for for a closing track. Um, You know what? This has been a long episode. I'm not going to go into some of these other concepts here. Um, because maybe we can talk about CDs at some point in terms of all this uh, as well. I think I threw a lot of information at you, um, but yeah, that was one way of looking at it is is those key positions. And like we say, vinyl has a lot of key positions uh, because it's got the two separate sides. And like I say, you can kind of see it, right? It's a visual thing as well. So let's just leave it at that for this episode. If you like this show and want to su- support future episodes, please go to koficom slash martinpopoff Hit that red support button. Buy me a coffee or a pint. This week, I would like to thank Joe Becht, Andy at Black Sugar Transmission, Lee Clifford, Daryl Oon, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, Jason Pollock, and Steve Polari. Thank you all very much. Um, the book situation with the Kiss book, a bit of drama there. They sold out the, uh, the first print. You can still order from me. That means you'll get one of the second pressing, which I will have in hand late November. Um, I'm already building up a lot of orders for that. But I still have the Who book. I still have the blur Cult, which is doing great guns, and people love that book. So all of that is at martinpopoff.com. Um, hope you enjoyed this sequencing episode. Um, I'm like, uh, you know what? I'm, uh, I'm going to give you a little, uh, a little bit of, uh, homework here. Um, what was the one I wanted to talk about that I didn't talk about? Um, I can't remember. Anyways, uh, go, go play a little bit of, um, <sighs> boy, what do we go with here? You know what? I'm going to say Judas Priest Turbo Lover. Man, that is such a well-put-together song. Um, I've just been talking with Andy, of course. Uh, he, he had a really cool treatise. I think it was Andy who mentioned how well-put-together that song was. Sean Kelly might have mentioned it as well. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. Um, that, boy, that could be a whole episode at some point. This idea of what makes great songwriting. And that is a, is a, a great example of great songwriting. And that's why that song has endured. And they play it live, right? Uh, which is pretty cool so go play some judas priest um, turbo lover head over to the facebook page and uh bring up some other concepts you want to talk about in terms of sequencing uh, but yeah you know what i've left out a lot of stuff so there might be another episode talk to you later find all of our
1: shows notes
0: social and
1: links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts all songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the R N R A P. We are on Instagram at R&R N R Archaeology. Tweet us at R N R Archaeology.